0: So where are you needing or wanting a miracle in your life right now, or in this world? This week begins three weeks in Jesus' miracles, as we also continue our walk through the book of Romans as we've been been doing this summer. But I want to dive into, before we dive into his miracle provision, want to take a look at the passages that we read today because they bridge the last three weeks that we've spent in Jesus' parables and talking about the kingdom and his kingdom in us and what that looks like. So uh, with the Isaiah passage, how it echoes back, it begins with uh, God's invitation to come and then to respond to him. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. And then it goes on to say, come, buy wine and milk, as uh, as Linda read. uh, So... God is just zealously, ardently seeking the crowd to come to him. But what's he talking about here? He's talking about recognizing that we hunger and we thirst, but he's saying, Come and buy, yeah. but without money and without cost, which the way our commerce works is yeah. <laughs> like, well, what, Yeah, what, what that means. And so, what God knows is that we hunger. And we thirst for a lot of things in this world to fill us, uh, and with this invitation, He's actually inviting us into His kingdom, uh, into life in the full. Um, his wondrous goods are so much better. He compares them to rich foods and others, um, but He's He's inviting us into into that to feast on Him, taste and see that the Lord is good. From one of the Psalms. And then in that next verse, he challenges us to consider and reflect, how are we living? Verse 2, why spend money on that what is not bread and your labor on that which doesn't satisfy how many things can leave us empty that we're seeking to fill us? And then he goes on to say, listen, uh, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. This next verse, give ear, come to me and listen. As we walked through Jesus' parables, how many of them began with uh, "with listen, or he who has ears, let them hear. And we've talked about what it means to, uh, to listen and to hear, not only to hear the words, but to have them sink from our mind and understand what they are and then dwell in our heart uh, to affect the way we respond and we see and we think. And we act. Uh, so again, he's, it, we talked about the the wisdom, even that uh, that Solomon asked for, uh, give ear and listen. That listening heart, that um, that mind that can not only hear the words, but really will understand what it is that God is wanting us to to know. These echo um, echo his parables in that way, and then goes on to show that. Um, in the end of verse 3 that says, and that you may live, and then goes on, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. He wants to join with us. See, I've made, uh, in my faithful promises to David, um, see, I've made him a witness to the people, as a ruler and the commander of the people. So his kingdom is alive in us, and we bring mm-hmm. him with us into the world. He extends his covenant, um, his love to us, and, uh, and we become his light in this world and we can we can share his love and his light and his hope and his peace with others and respond in ways that aren't typical of the world as we've spent lots of time talking about and then in this last part um, with his kingdom alive in us and we bring him into the world people are drawn to him They're like why is she not stressed out like crazy going on or why is he why did he respond that way instead of flipping out about something else? So it goes on to say that surely you will summon nations you do, not, um, you do not know, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Um, it's like it's back to we spent some time during the annual meeting reflecting on the passage in Acts 2:42 to 47, the early church and how God drew through the early church and how people were devoted to the apostles' teachings and how they knew that those words, that, that, that those teachings, having seen and heard directly from Jesus, bring life and that they are life-giving. So this promise of a new future and that the audience hears now is life-giving not in the way that people may accumulate or what they have or be attracted in the way the world defines um, mm-hmm. success or attractiveness or wanting to, uh, to draw followers necessarily, but in how they live uh, and how we live and how we treat one another. Um, so echoing, I just thought the way that that echoed those parables was really important because it then bridges us then into, uh, into these miracles. And then what do we make of the passage in Romans 9 that that Tim read for us? Paul's sharing his grieving heart for his Jewish brothers and sisters. So you remember Paul. Like, Paul, highly educated Jewish scholar, Pharisee. He was persecuting the Christians. He was trying to stop the spread of Christianity, the spread of the way, um, uh, sanctioning the killing of Stephen. Uh, and others, so <laughs> Paul was uh, in believing he was doing all this in the name of God. Right. right? So he just right. completely misdirected, and what did Jesus do? He just literally stopped him in his tracks uh, on the road to Damascus yeah. and showed him a new way and redirected his passion mm-hmm. and his zeal for his purposes. And so here's okay. Paul. Just this passage follows right where we left. We spent three weeks in Romans eight. Um, There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that he is with us, he is in us, we are his sons and daughters, that we are no longer slaves to fear in this world, that we can rely on his power. And so the end of Romans 8 finished up with, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. And he goes through the whole litany of all the things that we could possibly think of that could separate us who are in Christ from God's love. And there's nothing. So this is the very next uh, this is the very next verse where Paul just begins this lamenting as he thinks about these were God's people, his the descendants of Abraham, and just how he just longed for them to know Jesus too, mm-hmm. and for them to come into His kingdom. And as, as you look, and Paul would say, you know, I would willingly give up. Like, Wow, Paul! <laughs> what is and who who else? sacrificed? Jesus. Jesus, right, absolutely, that Jesus who loved us so much, who came and gave so that we could know him, and so that we could know God and come face to face with him and be blameless through Jesus. Such, such beautiful passages we then lead into our gospel passage for today, and the miracles that, um, that, that Jesus does and continues to do. It's just a rich depiction, de- depiction of Jesus' power, and it illustrates how he invites us into his work. So let's read this Matthew passage, uh, Matthew 14, 13 to 21, and we're reading out of New Living Translation. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns, so he's he and his disciples. Jesus... Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, "'This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. "'Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages "'and buy food for themselves.' But Jesus said, "'That isn't necessary. "'You feed them.' "'But we have only five loaves of bread "'and two fish,' they answered. "'Bring them here,' he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So this may be a familiar story to some of us. It's just such an amazing, it's like five loaves, two fish, 12 baskets. How does that happen? So let's, uh, I want to set some context here. So this is one story that is uh, one of Jesus' miracles that is in all four of the gospels. The only other one except for the resurrection of Jesus. So there's something significant here that all four gospel writers have included this story. Uh, If you'll see, we pick up, so we ended uh, in chapter 13 last week, and we're picking up in 14, verse 13. So the lectionary omitted the first 12 verses here. I just want to give the context for what happened. So that passage is where... Jesus and the disciples have found out that, well, what, ha- what happened in that is where John the Baptist was killed. Um, and he was executed in the middle of a, um, of a Herod's crazy <coughs> party celebration, just really awful. And, uh, and so they, they've just received this news. news. And so this passage picks up as soon as Jesus heard the news. That's oh. the news that they're talking about. That john the baptist had just his been cousin. executed yeah his he cousin his uh, the one who who led the way in fact see. i want to read out of mark and let me just quickly pull it up here oh i already had it great uh, so reminding us the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god I'm reading out of mark chapter one verse one um, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. Mm. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, John the Baptist, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, or were being baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. So this is who we're talking about and he just had been had been executed. So they received this news. So I think what's really important for us to know is we enter this passage they're grieving. Like mm-hmm. they just their hearts are broken. And um, and just having received this awful news Jesus and the disciples got they Want to go and be alone? They're processing. They want to connect with God. Like evil still happens and comes in this world, and uh, and as they're processed, so they're like they go away. The crowd has also heard this news. Many who have been baptized by John, so they and they get word of where they're headed, and they run on foot, (laughs) and then the other towns along with them. And so by the time Jesus and the disciples get to this desolate, isolated place. (laughs) It's not isolated anymore Um, because there are thousands of people there waiting for them. So you think about their grieving. They're thinking they just need this time alone with God and with one another and they get there and all these people are here and Jesus is just so beautiful. He saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. You know, it wasn't about what do I need in this moment. He saw the people and had compassion, and he healed and he taught through that whole day. We've, as we walk, as we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew this summer, um, chapter eleven in particular, where Jesus describes his heart and his just the compassion that he has, the love that he has for us. Um, it is, it is who he is. It's at the core of his being, what moves him. Toward us, uh, let me find. Okay, so I the lectionary also included Psalm 145, but we usually just read three passages. So we didn't read Psalm 145, but I have it. You'll see it on your handout underneath this Matthew passage because I wanted you to have that too. Because as we think about um, Jesus's compassion, the compassion that he showed here, this psalm is so beautiful. Uh, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. I won't read the whole thing, but he's good to everyone. He showers compassion. He helps the falling. He lifts those that are bent beneath their loads. Jesus says, come all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The eyes look to you for hope. You give them food. You satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Again, echoing this Isaiah passage that we just were in. And the Lord is righteous in everything that he does and just promise after promise. He grants the desires. He hears our cries. He rescues his people and destroys the wicked. And then the response is a response of praise. So many wonderful promises here. But it's so important for us to remember that when we're suffering, Jesus hurts right along with us. He is with us in that suffering, and he's feeling it with us. I think so. And he's, I do. I really do. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. I mean, Jesus was fully God, fully human. He felt every human emotion. What was his response when, after Lazarus passed and he went back to be with Mary and Martha? He wept. Um, he, he grieved along with his friends. He, even knowing what was going to come next, he was moved with compassion and he's with us in the painful things that we walk through. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it um, because we, we can, I don't know what, what we may be, I've, I've been in those moments too, but his word promises that he's with us, he never leaves us, he will never forsake us and we know that he experienced human pain and he knows what loss is like. For those difficult moments when we're suffering through whatever it is we've suffered through relationships traumas that um, he's with us and he feels it along with us and he strengthens us and he wants to give us his peace so having been moved by compassion he spends the day teaching um, so you think he's beginning this moment they're all beginning this moment he and the disciples from a place of deficit like it just received really awful news and then they have spent the day healing and continuing to teach just the weight of everything so heavy and I wonder if the disciples were ready for rest if you look at what comes in 15 and they're like Jesus this is a remote place can we send them to go eat because there's nothing here for them and uh, and he asked Jesus to, they asked Jesus to send the crowds away so that they can go get food. And then Jesus says, this isn't necessary. <laughs> and they're like, what? They're like, but we only have five loaves and two fish. And again, you read all four of the gospel accounts and you hear that they, they're, a little boy had these five and two and gave them to, to Andrew. So was willing to share the food that he had. Um, so they saw... A problem, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus saw an opportunity. Um, they see not enough. Like, there is no way these five loaves are going to feed these thousands of people that are here, and Jesus somehow sees plenty. So how does he look at our at our situations? But he then goes on to say, um, let's say, you only have five loaves and two fish. Bring them here, he said. And I think it's important to point out that it isn't a Alright, bring it here, I'll do it myself, kind of a thing. Like it's we can sometimes slip into that as, as people or humans or parents or co-workers or whatever. But that that's not the that's not his attitude here. He is still in the place of teaching and sharing and showing, and then he's about to involve them in this miracle. So they take something he's gonna he's about to take something that the disciples say absolutely is impossible to do uh, and do something different. What are you facing in your life right now that you're like, this can't work. This just is not adequate. I can't I can't. You can't. You think about if we've ever helped a child with homework, whether it's a student or a niece or nephew or son or daughter, and they're like, you know, I can't do this. You know, he's come alongside. I say, well, what do you have? You know, mm-hmm. how far are you now? Like, and, and then you help them discover. And Jesus is doing the same thing with his disciples. What do you have? Bring it here. Yeah, and then and then what does Jesus do? He just blesses it. He blesses it. it. He looks to heaven. He prays, right? And what is, so he goes into this multiplication Amazing multiplication, but it's not like this. You're sitting there watching like a performance where suddenly these five loaves just multiplying. It's, it's not this big production. You don't even realize the miracle is happening when you're in the midst of it. So he blesses the bread. He looks to heaven, he prays to God, and he begins breaking the bread and giving it to the disciples. And so they're coming and they're taking, and they're, you know, I'll take these, I'll take these over here, and I'll take these to the people sitting over there, and they're going around, and they just continue doing it. And it doesn't, it just keeps going. <laughs> um, but nobody stops for the moment to say, well, shouldn't we be out of bread by now? You just, we're going, you know, it's like, oh I hope this will last, we just kind of keep going. <laughs> it is, there are other stories in the Bible where, where you see this. It calls to mind the story of, if you've ever read the story of Elijah and the widow In the wilderness during the famine, and she thinks that she and her, she's about to make the last meal for her and her son with this tiny bit of flour and this little bit of oil that she has, so that they might die and then starve. And he comes and asks for if she would give him some bread, make him some bread, and she does. And what Jesus, what God promised in that is that that flour and that jar will never empty, and they didn't. For a long time like this tiny bit that she had that she's willing to give it What do we have? That God has given us That we can put in his hands and let him multiply Into something that he wants to do in our lives or in the lives of others around us so the multiplication happened in Jesus's hands it happened in the motion and the actions of the disciples taking part in in moving it, and what seemed like too little was more than enough. So in the breaking, and the sharing, the serving, and the giving and receiving, what does it say about whether people had a little snack? No, they had, everyone ate until they were satisfied. They were, They were. nobody was a like, well, I'll have a little bit and save some for whoever <laughs> next. Um, that this child was willing to share what he had the disciples brought it reluctantly to Jesus, saying, but this is not enough. Um, but and then look what he did. Look what he did Amen. with that with that little bit, they ate as much as they wanted, and um, he took he took that little bit and made it into something that they couldn't even begin to think or imagine. And the same is true for us. So many of you are familiar with um, with or maybe, um, I'll share for those of you who are not, Kathleen Fenneberg, who's part of our congregation, has does a sewing ministry uh, through the Root Cellar, working with uh, immigrant families and others to, um, to teach sewing as a skill. And uh, it's just this beautiful ministry work that she's done for years. I think at least seven years maybe, in Lewiston and Portland. And God, a couple years ago, just really placed on her heart something to do something here in Brunswick. And um, you know she kind of put all the, calculated what it would take and just, just continued faithfully serving where she was. And in the last, I don't even know if it's been two weeks, maybe it's even 10 days, that she was thinking, she was trying to think through um, what, what a location might be that would be accessible to people, that would have enough space that you could leave things out, like all in, she had in her mind something, this place, and um, a number of our people, let's see, Kathleen and Chris and Whitney and probably a number of you others have been part of the movies in the park or maybe have at least attended them. Sure. Great, uh, one, there was a the pastor of this church that she was thinking might be a good place to do this, um, sought her out, not for this reason, but he had known a family member and said, oh, I wanted to meet you because I know your sister. And they start talking, and he's like, oh, we've been trying to think of what we could be doing more in our community, how we can be using our building to provide needs and serve others in our community in a more significant way. And then suddenly this is happening, and then stuff's happening with sewing machines and equipment, and then she runs into someone in the store who's a seamstress who is retiring and has all this fabric that she's just looking for somebody to take. And then she meets another person, who wants to come alongside. He was a seamstress, super experienced. And so it's like, you can't even keep up with all of it. It's like, he is always moving and multiplying. It's just, and all it takes, is just that little yes, one at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and waiting on his timing. I mean, he planted this in our heart two years ago, and she was just continuing to, to serve and to do and to be faithful and to continue to pray about it and these walls are coming down, and these pieces are coming together, it's crazy. Yeah. You look at what God did with this church, and the transition that, you know, unexpected transition back in the fall, and the way everybody came together. Mm-hmm. And kept he to just, guy, kept absolutely, and, and came together, and, and just continued to grow this beautiful church, and ministry, and care for one another, and really significant ways and worship Jesus, and love others like Jesus. It's really beautiful. So where have you seen God multiply in your life? If you look back, because sometimes we, again, when you're in the middle of the miracle happening, you don't always realize it. Like the disciples had no idea that they were in the middle of a miracle Mm -hmm. until everybody was fed, and they collected up 12 12 baskets, which is more than they started with, you know? And so look back on your life. And where have you seen, whether it's in your life or in others, do you see problems that you're facing right now um, and think that there's not a solution or that something that you might be able to do would be too little, whether it's a problem you're facing or a problem in our community that God has just placed on your heart that's just like, wow, it's really Wish, I wish someone would do something about this thing. That's usually when God's trying to nudge us. Um, back in 2016, I went on my first mission trip to Guatemala. And we were doing a medical mission. I'm a pharmacist by background, uh, for those who, who don't know. And I, um, but I, I took two years of high school Spanish. And so I do not speak Spanish, not even a tiny bit fluent. I've got some words I need to learn from Lori. Um, but so I, I go on the street and we had an interpreter, but we had two we had a physician and a physician assistant who were doing, providing the care in the medical clinic. And then um, we had the meds and I was, was providing them in the ph- through the pharmacy. And so we had two interpreters that we were sharing kind of between the three of us, which was really difficult, and then you have Person after person, hundreds of people coming through this clinic, having things that they need, and God would take these two little years of high school Spanish that I took in 10th and 11th grade, (laughs) and having worked with the interpreter and the other, I was communicating with people like explaining to them you know take one tablet every day it's a vitamin or if it was a medication or it was something for pain you know only if you have pain you know no dolor no medicina. um but so it's like (laughs) those like those phrases are still in my head and this was back in 2016 but it just they just it was coming and it just kept coming like where is that coming from like what and i heard it through the interpreter so it wasn't like right but it was, it was an absolute multiplication, and then the interpreters just stayed with the caregivers, and I worked with the patients unless there was something that that we needed that was more complex. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, God! Like, how do you do that? How do you do that?" And just another personal story was that I was coming back from a business trip um, in 20, 2019? 2019, 2019, yes, yeah, spring of 2019, and um, got a text from our worship director at at the church where I was serving and he's like when you get back let's talk keys I'm like what does that mean <laughs> um, and I had we in sharing lunch with the staff one one day we we're just chatting about things and experiences that we had so he knew I had a few years of piano lessons in elementary and middle school and our keyboard players were some had gotten a new job others were going to were going off to college and they really had a need and I'm like I don't play. <laughs> and, but I've regretted a long time not continuing. And um, he's like, Well, would you try? Um, and so it's like, I was, he's like, You just do chords. I'm like, Philip, I know a C chord. Like, I think that's all, all I could do. And, but I'm like, I'll try. And again, you take your little tiny bit um, and put it in God's hands and trust him with it, and so for the next year, I just had the joy of serving alongside our worship team. Um, I'm not a concert pianist in any way, shape, or form, um, but I would, would do the pad, and there were even a couple songs um, that I actually played the full melody on, that again, God would just multiply that for this need, for this purpose, and the joy that he gave me and take part in that was amazing. Because I have a passion for worship. I, lo- I mean, I'm so thankful for Jesus in my life and in this world and in our family and in our community. And so the, the joy to be able to be part of helping to lead people to the throne mm. so that they can open their hearts and hear his word for them um, was amazing. So what about in your life? God multiplies and provides for our needs. He uses us, he works in us and through us to take part in the multiplication. Like I said, even though sometimes we don't even realize that that's what's happening in the midst of it. But if we doubt and we hold back and we refuse to believe, I could've just said, you know, on the, like, I'm not gonna try to communicate with people, but as a pharmacist, I know how important it is, like, medicines can help and they can hurt. And you really, 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 really wanted these people, as we're, these parents, as we're giving them these medications, to know what to do with them and how to do it safely. And I let, I set aside my, well, I can't do that. I don't speak Spanish. To letting God do what He was going to do. And the same with the keys. And in each, each of those situations, I would have missed out on the miracle if I would have just said, oh, can't yeah, do "I can't that. do it." I can't. And there are, I'm sure, um, I know that there are examples like that in my life where I go back and I'm like, oh, that might have been a really sweet opportunity if I had the courage to say okay. So think about those. Um, We're at the end. I realize I'm going a little long, sorry. Um, But I want to read this one little, one more little piece out of this Mark 1 passage. Um, So after John was arrested, this was early in Jesus' ministry, well before this time, but after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What does believe mean to you? Repent and believe for many years for me, believing was this cognitively, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. I believe in Jesus. I, believe, I believed cognitively. Um, we declare our faith, anchored in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Uh, we believe those things, but there is more to believing than just believing here in our head and even believing in our hearts. It's believing that he will. Mm-hmm. And that it's a an jazz and that his word is true and that what he says is true and that his promises are real and his presence is real and that he's here and that his power moves so do we live like we believe we know we believe but do we live with courage to believe that he does okay. yeah that he does what he says and he will in his way in his timing. It's right. not a, Jesus, do this for me, okay. <laughs> but, but trusting that he is with us. So I have a few questions for reflection on your sheet that you can take with you. Um, but remember, just doing some reflecting. Where have you seen God provide in unexpected ways? Whether it's in your own life or, um, or in others. And are you living like you believe um, that he can and that he will multiply? in our lives. What are you saying isn't enough or that I can't or that I don't have or I wasn't educated to do this or I don't, whatever those things are. What is God nudging you to take part in? So Whatever your need is, whatever your longing, your present challenge, whether your loss or uncertainty, just know that Jesus came for you to have fullness. Of life, fullness in Him. He lives in you, and He works in and through you, and with you, to multiply, to move, and He still does miracles. He Amen. still does, and we have to believe that. So do you believe, and are you living like you believe? And how can we do that? So let's pray, God. You are good, and You are holy, and You are mighty, and You are powerful, and You are our multiplier, our provider, our hope, our strength, our peace. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your word that guides us. We thank you for your deep love for us. Lord, thank you for bringing the kingdom here in this already not yet time we know you'll be back to have the fulfillment of your kingdom. But thank you that now you give us the privilege to live in peace and hope and strength in you, even when there's difficult things that happen in the world around us and there's still evil and sickness and loss and pain. Thank you that you are with us in those moments, that you feel what we feel, and you want nothing more than for us to just come close, to draw near, crawl up in your lap if we need to, um, and that you just will comfort us and guide us Whisper your truths to our heart today. Help us to take whatever it is that you have for each one of us and live it out. We thank you. Praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.